Hi, this is Cassandra Lee Morris, and you're listening to the Annie Monday Podcast. Please enjoy your weekly dose of random anime. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name's Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Welcome back. We are still alive, as it turns out. We are. I apologize for that. I've had bronchitis and I still kind of am coughing several weeks later, so. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're back and we're better than ever, I guess. (laughs) I am, at least. Yeah. On our previous episode, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the webpage transformed into a show called ROD the TV. Buckle up, everyone. There's uh, some history behind this show, and it's a little bit complicated. Uh, But basically, ROD stands for Read or Die, or Read or Dream, depending on which part of the series you dive into. And likely, we'll refer to the series as Read or Die from here on out, I would imagine. It began as a series of light novels in 2000 and is still ongoing, and there was a four-volume manga series that ran from 2000 to 2005. In 2001, Studio Dean released a 90-minute OVA that was kind of a continuation of the events from the manga series, and then there was also a four-volume manga series in 2003 titled Read or Dream, which was kind of a spinoff. It takes place in the same universe, but... It instead features the Paper Sisters Detective Company, who serve as the protagonist trio for the series, uh, as opposed to the protagonist for the original Read or Die series. However, it does feature the same antagonist. Finally, in 2003, J.C. Staff and Studio Dean produced the 26-episode anime series, which is what we watched, and it's called R.O.D. the TV. Officially, it's a continuation of the Read or Die OVA, and it includes characters from both the original Read or Die series and the Read or Dream spinoff. But for the most part, it's self-contained, so we were able to watch it and follow everything, and I think we'll be able to talk through it pretty easily. All right, Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis of the plot? The freelance bodyguards of the Three Sisters Detective Agency suddenly find themselves intertwined with a once-famous author named Nenene. What they thought would be a straightforward job becomes a dangerous mystery that the girls might not be prepared for. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about the main protagonist this episode. (laughs) Nay, nay, nay is just a lot of syllables. The same syllable over and over. So uh, nay, nay, nay is a prodigy novelist. She had some books that were pretty popular back in the day. And we first... We first meet her when she travels from Japan to Hong Kong for, I guess, a book signing of some sort. Yeah, because her initial book is being turned into a movie. Yep. Uh, And it's at this book signing that uh, she is attacked by a failed writer who is kind of jealous jealous of her success. And that's kind of where the story jumps in. You talked about the, the Paper Sisters and those three who were kind of hired to be her bodyguard for the events. Uh, but what do you think of Nene just kind of as a character? She's 
perpetually grumpy and defiant. Mm -hmm. With every person she encounters, she has some reason to be contrary to them. So if it's her editor or the publisher telling her, hey, you almost got killed. We should maybe cancel this event. Right. She's like, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to the event. And not because she has pride in her book or loyalty to her fans. It's just to be contrary. Right. And any time that she should be tailed by the three sisters, she finds some way to leave them behind. She just finds something to be antagonistic towards other people. Right. Seemingly the motivation that they've provided for her general cranky kind of nature is that her friend has gone missing, uh, her friend Yumiko. And I think what's weirdest to me is that despite how grumpy she is and how much she claims, like, I'm so lonely and I'm so angry about my friend missing and all of these things, she is incredibly optimistic about Yumiko returning. Yeah. Which those two things don't really line up Mm -hmm. as a character trait. Yeah, her blind hopefulness that her friend is going to come back and nothing's happened to her even though she's been gone for years doesn't seem to match up with the fact that she has this idea like she's gone forever and her life can't move forward. Right. Which, to me, kind of puts Nene in the background a little bit. She is just like a thing that you're supposed to ignore, almost, because she's just kind of hard to listen to and hard to care about all that much, at least in this stage. If she has any kind of personal growth over the course of the show, then maybe. I think that's part of what they're setting her up for and especially if you have any history with what her character was like before the show is maybe that would make sense of oh I understand why she's so upset because she really loved this friend and to see something be redeemed in her because of some sort of event you know in the future yeah Uh, but all that to say the show in the early stages kind of really focuses on the paper sisters and they kind of come to the forefront as the heroes of the show so the arguably leader of the three sisters the oldest is michelle and it's interesting that she's kind of put in this lead position because she's probably the most irresponsible out of the three um she's kind of frivolous and impulsive And lazy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like kind of a key characteristic of these characters is that they deal with paper. Mm -hmm. And most of the sisters love books. They're just obsessed with books. Uh, And Michelle is the prime example because at one point in the show, when she arrives in Japan, she buys out an entire bookstore. With what money is confusing. I have no idea. (laughs) She did say she put it on her credit card. Yeah. Bad choices. (laughs) There's this small note that I want to make about her. When we first meet her, she tells Nene that her favorite book series is Harry Harry Potter, Potter. which is bonkers to me. Yeah. Because part of what is special about these three girls is that they have mastery over paper. Why would she care at all about the world of Harry Potter when she has real magical abilities? Harry Potter seems real boring compared to what they can do. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One of the other sisters is Maggie. 
and she is like super tall and very quiet, seems to be like easily embarrassed, and in general just seems to be like really hard on herself and kind of has this dejected sort of nature. Yeah, she's not very self-assured, but she is kind of the protector of the three girls. Right. Um, A lot of her form of paper mastery has to do with like defense kind of magic. Uh, and the final sister is Anita, who is the youngest. I would almost say that she is the main protagonist of this series. She did get quite a bit of attention in these ones, especially like there are some scenes where she's really chasing down the bad guys and being the one who's doing all the the heavy lifting for the group. Mm -hmm. I think she's predominantly shown in the fourth episode almost exclusively by herself. Right. But as the youngest of the uh, of the three, she is kind of portrayed as being immature, a little bit bratty. Uh and unlike the other sisters, strongly dislikes books. Yes. She likes frogs. Yeah. But but that's, no books. That's yeah. she she doesn't have frog mastery. No. So No, which is interesting because she still her mastery over paper is still as powerful as the other sisters. So it has nothing to do with reading or enjoying books. Yeah. Her personality and dynamic with other people is interesting because she is naturally more outgoing. She is confrontational. She's shown to be very athletic. So when she gets told that she has to go to school because of her age, she's immediately pretty popular, which is a little upsetting for somebody that is introverted and likes to read uh -huh. that the other sisters are kind of seen as weird or kooky, and she's immediately very popular. Right. I, I at least partially took that as she's a foreigner mm -hmm. and maybe gets a little bit more attention than ev everyone else, mm -hmm. but still, yeah. Uh, I guess a, a few general notes about the Paper Sisters before we wrap things up on characters. Um, they They do live in Hong Kong, so you'll see this in a little bit of their character design and stuff like that, but... Otherwise, the majority of the show takes place in Japan after they come back with Nene Nene because she's obviously under attack by mm -hmm. something. And I found some interesting trivia that the names of the Paper Sisters are derived from three real-life Hong Kong actors uh, who star in, like, action films. Uh, they had a movie in 1993 called The Heroic Trio together. Hmm. I do love that this series predominantly shows women in not romantic settings, that these women are intelligent and powerful, and there doesn't seem to be anything like childish or romantic going on in their subplots. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of nice. I think a lot of times when I see predominantly female casts, in anime, it tends to be school versions, uh, or it tends to be romantic. And so this is kind of refreshing to see all these women interact and it not have to do with those specific kind of genres. 
Yeah, and even some of the men that we have met in the show were like the dude who was jealous of her for writing better books than he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I do appreciate that this has a pretty different kind of characterization of the women in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing about characters and story to wrap things up is just a brief note on Yumiko or Yomiko, I can't remember which. Uh, who is close friends with Nene and has gone missing in the series and kind of seems to be leading up to them going to search for her. Uh, this is kind of the, the major connection with the rest of the series, uh, with the ROD franchise, because Yomiko was the protagonist of the original light novel and manga series. So if, if you did come into this anime series with knowledge of the rest of it, then this disappearance might have had a little bit of a different impact on you. And then getting to see this side of Nene, like you mentioned, could kind of give you a different view on who this character is. But it doesn't feel necessary to be able to experience this show, which is impressive that they're able to set it up that way. Right. In fact, if anything, it might drive you to go look into the history of the character and kind of learn more about the original series. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the show. All right, Kayla, would you like to kick off our discussion on the production elements of ROD the TV? Something that I really enjoyed about this show in particular is the character designs. Um, I think they did a really good job of showing the personalities of the girls through the way that they look. Specifically with Maggie, predominantly. So each of the girls look pretty different. Michelle is probably average height. She's very feminine looking. So she has, you know, a very feminine, curvy kind of body. She has this wavy blonde hair. She's, you know, kind of, she's more like the classic kind of beauty that we think of. Anita is small, very childlike. She's kind of thin and willowy, and she has this really short, pink, bright, vibrant hair. Yeah, which makes her look feisty. Yeah. But something that I noted about Maggie, um, not only is she kind of breaking a lot of stereotypes in anime, she's very tall, and she's kind of almost masculine looking. They change some of the character design elements to really emphasize what her personality is, which is much more reserved and quiet. And that is shown predominantly in her eyes. All the characters roughly have the same proportion eyes, except for Maggie. Her eyes are drawn smaller than everyone else's, which does make her seem a little more sad, a little less vibrant. Even her color scheme is very muted compared to the other girls in the show. You know, her hair's darker, her eyes are darker, they're smaller, the clothes that she wears are 
usually, you know, blues and browns and blacks. And I really liked that about her character because they show it, you know, in the way that she's drawn, both like physically with her face, but also with her clothing. But they don't take away her femininity. One of the early scenes that we see, she's in this kind of suit vest and a tie and these slacks. But she's still drawn in a feminine way. She's not trying to appear as a male. She's still a female. But, you know, it's kind of hard to say, is she wearing more masculine clothes because that's what fits her because she's so, so tall? Or is that part of her reserved nature that she doesn't want to wear these big, you know, vibrant, flowy, you know, kind of clothes? And I really appreciated that kind of break from the traditional feminine look for a character. My only other note on character designs was uh, just that because these are uh, Chinese characters, they don't really look all that different than your typical anime kind of designs. Uh, but they do put buns in Anita's hair with the little bun covers like you might see on Chun-Li. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to be just kind of a, a common anime trope for distinguishing a Chinese character. Yeah, even some of their clothes when you move throughout the series, if unless they're wearing like a school uniform or something, their clothes tend to look more Chinese mm-hmm. traditionally. Um, and they have very Western names too. Yes, which- Uh, I didn't look into, like, the history of the actors they were named after, but that was interesting to me as well. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm excited to talk about some of the production elements uh, with the animation and the more kind of action-heavy sequences, uh, because this show is largely revolving around the Paper Sisters and their magical abilities to manipulate paper. And... This is, I think, the strongest aspect of the show in its production stuff because the action sequences, when we see the characters utilizing their paper mechanics, are very clever. They are really interesting to look at and watch. And I I think you really see the animation start to shine when there is paper, like, spilling out of buildings. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, every single individual sheet of paper and its movement and its distinct, like, motion when it's flying through the air and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, You will oftentimes see just massive amounts of paper on screen at any one time floating and flying and transforming into different shapes. And I think all of it is really nicely detailed and You can tell, like, the character designs are pretty much just, like, straight from the manga. Mm -hmm. And some of the environments are pretty simple. But when it goes into the the paper magic, you can tell that they invested a lot of time into these sequences. I have to agree. I think something that really adds depth to these sequences is that whenever they're utilizing their paper magic, it's not just in whatever form that they're trying to manipulate the paper, extra paper kind of fills the space. And so there's a lot of movement that's happening. It's not just whatever weapon they make or whatever they're specifically utilizing the paper for. You know, they'll be 
paper just kind of floating in the space. There's this extra level of animation that they're adding more detail to what's happening in the sequence mm-hmm. that really, I think, shows that they make the paper come alive yeah. more than just I manipulated it and transformed it into this thing is the paper really comes to life when they're utilizing their magic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and each sister is extremely expressive in the type of magic that they do. And I think the animation studio really captured that nicely. Uh, we kind of talked about each of their specific like specialties, but Anita, like her her paper magic is very simple. She basically just like takes index cards and, and throws them like shurikens, basically. Mm-hmm. But she's also incredibly talented as a martial artist. And so she's a character who will get into the mess and like actually have a fight with someone and then use her paper as like suppressive fire, basically. And it really fits with her personality of, you know, being quick and being feisty and being really up in the mess. And something that I really loved about the animation is that they don't make her jagged in her movements. She's has this beautiful flowiness to her um, because it's not just the fighting. It's also kind of these almost like gymnastic movements that she does that are really gorgeous and show this kind of gracefulness to her that we don't really get to see much in her personality. Yeah. But it's nice to know that it's it's there. It exists. There's this softness to her that occasionally comes out and it's shown even with her fighting style. Yeah. And, and then you've got Michelle who her paper style also kind of matches her personality. She's very long range. Uh, she's kind of the first real paper magic that you see being used in the show. And that's the moment when you realize what the show is doing. And it was sick. It, <laughs> like she transformed a bunch of paper into a bow and arrow and then, uh, you know, shoots paper at the, the guy uh, that's trying to attack the author. And it's very cool. And then you get to see Maggie do her her stuff, which basically she just like mass controls paper and she can turn them into objects and creatures. Mm-hmm. And so when you're when you're seeing that initial fight in the building, you don't really get to see much of Maggie's stuff. But eventually they have to go chase down the guy who did the attack and he's on an airplane. And what you see Maggie doing is that she transforms just massive amounts of paper into this big mechanical phoenix, basically, made of paper. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, piloting it from the inside like a mech. And it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really incredible. And I think that's part of what I love is that they do show these aspects of the personality that we wouldn't normally get to see, like Maggie being this really reserved, kind of pulled back character. And to see her create this huge, larger, I mean, it's as large as the commercial airplane. We get to see her make these huge, beautiful, lively things that can be kind of contrary to what you would expect her to do. Yeah. I did want to talk really quick about the intro for this show because I really enjoyed it. The 
animation for the intro reminds me of like a Bond film. It's just very kind of noir looking. And I thought they did it in a really interesting way. Something I did not anticipate for the show. I don't know necessarily that I feel like they're congruent. It's hard to say, you know, this far into the show. But I really enjoyed it. Um, I also really like the music because it didn't feel like it fell into the trope of a classic noir kind of soundtrack or anything like that. And I just, I just really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. that's all. I just really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, jumping into some of our general thoughts about the show, uh, overall takeaways, likes and dislikes and such. Um, kind of, I think, my general impression of the show and the feeling that I came away with um, after seeing these first four episodes was that any time there was paper magic happening, it was awesome. I would watch this show all the way through if the paper magic were like that cool and the rest of the show followed with with that. Not to say it has to be action all the time, but I have personally found that Around the edges of that stuff, it was it was a little bit boring for me. <laughs> uh, you had the kind of grating character in Nainane, uh, like the fact that we hardly talked about her this whole episode, uh, but she's supposed to be the protagonist. Uh, her character really kind of fell apart for me. Uh, her motivations didn't really line up. She was kind of impossible to listen to, and really kind of detracted, I think, from what was really strong about the Paper Sisters and the fact that they're so, like, passionately pursuing Nainane for no real apparent reason is is kind of weird to me. And, like, it's not like she's paying them well or anything. They run a business as freelancers and they just kind of, like, up and move to Japan to live with her. So I... I, I guess I just kind of wish they had built a little bit more around the edges of that and that this mystery that we're kind of working towards, there would be a little bit more to pull me into that mystery and make that a little bit more interesting than here's this person you might have known before and she's gone now. And now this person is real sad and real rude about it. <laughs> I kind of feel the opposite. But I think this is because of my personality, I deeply relate to these sisters. Um, there are parts of each of their personality that I really relate to. I can be impulsive and I can be lazy, but I can also be like kind of feisty and fighty and but also deeply introverted. And so I think for me, in the times when they're not using the paper magic just kind of in their day-to-day lives, that is still a part that I really relate to. And so I enjoy seeing these girls. I I think also the setting for this show just reminds me a lot of me growing up. I grew up in a family of both writers and readers. So something we haven't talked about is that the girls that are obsessed with books, Michelle and Maggie, they tend to buy a lot of books. Their houses are filled to the brim with books. And that's how my house was growing up. My mom had so many books. We had so many bookcases 
and there were just books everywhere. And I always saw my mom reading, sometimes in places that she shouldn't have been reading, but I always saw her reading. And that's kind of how I am too. Like I have books everywhere throughout our house. I don't think there's a room in our house that doesn't have a book in it. This room right now doesn't have a book in it. Fair. (laughs) It's very small. (laughs) I'll be sure to put one in. But I'm always carrying a book around. And it's something that I think just kind of tugged at this part of my life that doesn't really get a lot of attention and is not seen as being very exciting. And this series made that an exciting thing that people could watch and get into. And so I think I, I liked seeing them in their day-to-day. I also enjoyed seeing these little ways that they would try and solve problems by using their magic as opposed to kind of the Harry Potter way of magic where you use magic for things you don't need to use magic for because we got to use magic. And these girls live pretty normal lives. And unless there's something for them to solve, they don't necessarily use their magic. So there's times when they can't find the remote, so they they make a little paper airplane to try and turn on the TV, and that doesn't work. But they also kind of offhandedly mention that they're using paper to create the clothing that they're wearing. And so there's this versatility that is kind of just present all the time without being the big, huge sequences. And I love seeing that because their magic has more depth than just being action oriented mm-hmm. and that was something that was really interesting to, interesting to me to see these subtle ways that they use their magic right yeah and i don't disagree with any of that i think the problem is those scenes are fine on their own mm-hmm. and this would be a fine slice of life show and it would be <laughs> a fine action show mm-hmm It's not either of those. It's Mm. a mystery. Mm. And the mystery is the easily weakest part of the show. Yeah. It has no bones to it. Mm -hmm. And so the the link between here's just the girls hanging out at home and solving little problems and let's like chase down a guy in an airplane is this (laughs) little mystery. Mm -hmm. And there's almost nothing there. And so the link between the action sequences and the slice of life sequences, there's nothing there. And so I think you either like one of those or maybe you kind of like both of those. But it's it's really hard for me to put my head into the show as a whole because those two things don't really line up. I wonder in part if this, even though for the most part it feels self-contained, I wonder if this is the part where that extra investment would be that that link that would bind those things together more easily. Is yeah. that if you understood the mystery, if you understood the importance of that, because you had investment in the character that's missing, because you know who Nene was before all of this happened, I wonder if that part would be at least a little more helpful for this mystery it could be but i i feel like if that were the case for me then i'd just be waiting for that character to show up Mm -hmm. and if she didn't then i'd be super disappointed and bored the whole time (laughs) no i think that's fair yeah all right colin would you watch more of this show i'm gonna say maybe on this one uh and i think it i've kind of covered 
all the reasons why that might be the case. Um, I, I really enjoy certain parts of it, and I think if there is a little bit more depth that goes into the mystery parts, or if Nanane grows a little bit as a character, then I might be more invested in it. And so I think I would just have to try some more episodes and see how it goes. I'm going to say yes. Um, for a lot of the reasons that I said, I think because I do love these characters, I do relate to them. I enjoy the animation and I feel invested enough to want to see where this mystery goes. Cool. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Yeah, thanks for being patient with us and <laughs> letting us come back a month later. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our username is anamondaycast, and you can find links for that on our website. We do have a big announcement for this week, which is that uh, Kayla and I are going to be doing a live show, and most of you are not invited. <laughs> uh, that is unless you happen to be going on the Joko cruise this Ooh. year. We're doing Anna Monday on the high seas. That's right. And hopefully I won't be throwing up. <laughs> yeah, Colin gets motion sickness, but I don't. So uh, Joko cruise is basically like a... Uh, nerd convention, but it's on a boat. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will be doing a live episode there. And uh, if you are coming, we hope that you can join us. Yeah. And we will be recording that episode if possible. So uh, hopefully the rest of you will get to hear it <laughs> later on. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much to Crunchyroll for all of the anime that you provide and for the random button, which produces these wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. If you want to follow along with us each week, we'll have a link to the current title on our website and social media, and you can watch what we're watching. Finally, thanks to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show, which come from the Senpai EPs available on his Bandcamp and other major streaming services. Are you ready to roll? I'm ready, and this is the roll that we're going to be using for the live show. Random button in three, two, one. All right, the anime for this week is Kaguya-sama, Love is War. You're showing me a face like I should know what this is, but I don't. It's a recent one. Okay. That I haven't had a chance to watch yet. Oh, I see. Because all that's showing right now is an ad for my hero, so I was very confused. The first episode is called, I Will Make You Invite Me to a Movie. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of titles for this. Slash... Kaguya wants to be stopped slash Kaguya wants it. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it have three titles? <laughs> Who knows? All right. Prepare for uh, rotoscoped dancing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Another one? Uh, I feel like No, we... this one's actually good. Okay. I feel like we just did this. <laughs> uh, no, it's not about dancing. It's just the end sequence. Oh, oh Okay. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. We look forward to seeing you on the boat, and yeah. uh, we will be back next time. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye.